Welcome to the Seven Mountains Influencer Show. We are your hosts. I am Vibeke. And I'm Peter. And we're here to inspire you in your God-given purpose and calling on the mountains of influence that you're called to impact and release the presence and light of God in you to this world. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to present to you our next guest for our Seven Mountain Influencer podcast. Welcome to Melissa Tate. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Rebecca. Thank you for being here and congratulations. It's your anniversary today. Yes, it is. 14 years. (laughs) 14 years and three beautiful kids. Yes. It's been a great, great marriage. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the Lord for blessing us and bringing us together. So that's so good. So Mm -hmm. this uh, episode is, uh, I was thinking about it before I went on and like, I know this girl and this beautiful woman. I've known her for some years. So uh, how shall I, you know, (laughs) pull the gold out of her? Because I, you know, there's so many things. Uh, but I want to start just a little bit with your backstory. So tell me like how you grew up and where you grew mm-hmm. up and, and how did you come to the U.S.? All right. So I am from Zimbabwe. I was born and raised in Zimbabwe and I came to the United States at the age of 19. I came to study and uh, basically uh, the Lord brought me here by faith because my mom, it, you know, when I came, the time that I came to the United States, it was during a, an economic collapse that was happening in Zimbabwe. Um, so my mom couldn't afford to send me to the United States for school. But by faith, she said, you know, she declared that I would go to school and the Lord would provide and the Lord did provide. So I paid my way through college by hard work and the grace of God. And I was able to graduate with a business degree. And then um, after I graduated i got a job as an investment advisor i worked in corporate america for about three years and then i started my own business and i started my business in e-commerce at a time when e-commerce was really exploding and really taking off so i got in right at the right time so my business just took off like a rocket so by the time i was 27 years old i was you know making i had a business that was doing seven figures in revenue and I had several employees and I was traveling around the world and I got married in that time and I had children. So that's kind of where I, um, you know, the basic story of my life. Um, and then now, well, now I've kind of transitioned out of business and I'm currently in the process of transitioning out of business and into politics. So, so, so tell me a little bit about, you know, the, the, cause a lot of people here like, yeah, I did this and then I went to that, but you know, the transition is not always so easy as it looks from, from the outside for, so for other people that are uh, feeling God are calling them to different things. So, so how did you deal with that? You were already successful. You had money flowing. You were traveling. You had a happy marriage. You had kids. Yes. And then the Lord started to pull you into politics. Like, how did that happen? Okay, so the way it happened was actually uh, pretty interesting. So I was, um, I had kind of given up on politics for the most part because I felt like, you know, both parties were, 
corrupt and I didn't feel like any of them were offering anything that was good for the country. So I kind of checked out of politics, but President Trump caught my eye. And, um, you know, after his first debate and all the fanfare that was around him, I kind of got interested in him. And I was like, this guy, you know, is onto something. <laughs> and I just felt very drawn to him. <laughs> yes. So, um, so I actually signed up for Twitter um, just to follow him and kind of follow what he was doing and follow his speeches and so forth. And once I got on Twitter, I started speaking out my own thoughts and commenting on all the political uh, stuff that was going on in the country. So I started to gain a following. And um, before you knew it, I had, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers and people were calling me an influencer and President Trump was retweeting my tweets. And before you know it, I was being invited to events and I got invited to the White House. And the wow. next thing you know, I'm taking a selfie with the president of the United States. So, <laughs> and it just happened so fast. I was like, whoa, Lord, where are you taking me? So, um, so I've always felt very passionate about, you know, uh, what's going on in the country, just seeing um, the way America has just gone from like, a very Christian Christ because coming from another country where we didn't have the ladders of opportunities that you have in the United States. We didn't have a free society like you have in the United States. The fact that I, I was an immigrant who came here with nothing, $300 in her pocket, and within a relatively short time, I was able to make something of myself. That is something that is very unique to the United States. Yeah. So I love and I cherish America for that freedom, you know, those uh, Judeo-Christian value uh, type principles that have made this country a very successful country, a free place where anybody can come and, you know, pursue their dreams and become something. So now I'm starting to see that there's this narrative that's happening in the country where, you know, we're moving away from the principles that made America great. So mm -hmm. I've always, I, so I always felt this passion in my heart to speak up and to do something, you know, do my small part in saving the American uh, principles and the American ideals. So that's kind of what gave me that passion to get into politics. Yeah. And obviously, I was um, in business, juggling having three kids. <laughs> and Rebecca, you remember how that was. So, <laughs> so it was very overwhelming, you know, having to juggle three kids and have a business and you know, try to get into this new space of political comment, commentary and um, events and all these things that were happening. So it's been quite a transition and um, it hasn't been easy, but the Lord has just been you know, walking with me every step of the way and guiding me and opening up doors and shutting doors on the business side and opening up doors um, on the politics side. So I just know that God is steering me out of business and more into this um, uh, position of like being an influencer and a political activist. So, yeah. But what made, what made you like not give up? Cause there's a lot of Christians, especially that listen to, you know, the seven mountains message. There's mm -hmm. a lot of them that say, I have a dream. I have a purpose. God wants me to do this. But mm -hmm. then, they are maybe 
not really stepping into the to the fullness so mm-hmm. I have watched you and I've seen you taking a step at a time so what made you really go for it and not give up even if it was hard mm-hmm. you know juggling yeah. all the different roles yeah it was very hard well what made me not give up was just the passion and the fire that the Lord has put in my heart for for what I'm doing because I feel like it's for a bigger purpose it's bigger than me you know, because I feel like, you know, the more we move away from the godly principles that this nation was founded on, the more we don't really have a future, you know, because we're not going to have the freedom and the prosperity that the Lord has blessed us with this great nation. So just that passion that is within me to say, okay, this is something that is just bigger than me getting a paycheck. This is something, this is a purpose that affects a lot of people. It affects my children. It affects my future. It affects the futures of so many people and the destiny of a country, you know? So this is something that is bigger than myself. So it's something that I'm like, okay, I can't give up. I have to keep going. And there's been times when I wanted to give up because I'm just like, you know what? Maybe I should just be a stay-at-home mom and just forget about everything. (laughs) Forget about everything because it just sometimes feels so overwhelming. But then I'm like, I can't do that because God has that put that passion and that fire in me that, you know, that feeling is fleeting. You know, the next morning I feel energized and ready to go again. So <laughs> that's so good. Mm-hmm. We need different voices on all the different spheres. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think now more than ever, especially people have seen what happened last year, like now more than ever, we need to be a voice mm-hmm. uh, on the different things that we, the Lord have put in our heart. So I just yeah. love to, you know, see how you have that passion and that fire that, okay, it's not about me. It's about, you know, those that come behind me and I have mm-hmm. to just get up and share the, my truth and my perspective. Yes. And then you started to feel that he told you to write a book. Yes. And then this came out this year. So tell me, what is this book about? So basically, I'm going to give you, um, so it's called Choice Privilege. And it's basically a play on the words white privilege. And basically, I cross out where it says white, because the premise of the book is that it's not the color of your skin that determines your destiny and the quality of your life, but it is the choices that you make. Because right now what we're seeing, the narrative that is being pushed in media and in culture is that, you know, um, if you are a certain color, if you're Black, you're oppressed immediately. You belong to this group of oppressed people. If you are white, you just belong to this group of privileged people. And everything is just being filtered through that lens. And it's something that is completely false because, you know, as somebody who is black myself who came to the United States um, with nothing and just made good choices and was able to overcome and become something, make something of myself, not based on the color of my skin or any superficial feature about myself, but just basically making good choices. And it's something that my mom, you know, instilled in me. Basically, she has always raised me to believe that, you know, um, I basically will get out of life what I put into it and I can't be an entitled individual. I have to work hard. 
I have to pursue my dreams. I have to do what is right. I have to make good choices. Yeah. And because she instilled that in me, that's basically what I uh, played out when I got in the United States, you know, just doing simple things, you know, like going to school and becoming educated, you know, yeah. getting married is, is a huge, is a, is a huge decision that determines poverty or not, you know, just, just being married, for example, will guarantee that you're 98% more likely to be in the middle class and not in poverty. So, you know, just those basic choices that people make in life are really what ultimately determines your destiny and your, and your, um, your, the quality of your life and not really the color of your skin. So I'm just, you know, trying to dispel this myth of this group identity thing that is based on skin color and to judge people based on the content of their character and not the color of their skin. So. Wow. And would you say that because um, I've heard you talk about, you know, being black from Africa and being uh, um, American born black. Mm -hmm. What's what, what would you say? Is there any differences? Well, there are de there are definitely some cultural differences. And that's something that I talk about in the book as well. Because we hear this narrative that, you know, um, the reason why, you know, there's such a huge wealth gap between Black Americans and, you know, let's say white Americans is because of the legacy of slavery. But actually, when I did research for the book and I found out that, you know, post-slavery, like shortly after slavery, you know, Black Americans were succeeding, um, you know, even far surpassing white Americans in cer certain vectors of success you know, post-slavery. So I started to look into and dig into it and say, okay, so why is it that the wealth gap has, has, um, has happened now, you know, hundreds of years after slavery versus, you know, a few years after slave, slavery, Black Americans were succeeding. And um, from my research, the conclusion I came to is that there was a major breakdown of the family that happened mm -hmm. Um, in the 1960s, and it was basically pushed by, um, you know, the policies of the Democrat Party, which were mostly geared towards um, creating welfare and government dependency within the Black community, and that basically just destroyed the Black family. So if you look and see, you know, um, prior to the 60s, you know, Black families, you had a mom and a dad and children, and it was there was an 80% marriage rate within the black community. You fast forward to 2021 and you see that 73% and more black children are born in a home that doesn't have a, a father in the home. Wow. So when you see that breakdown of the family, then you start to see the problems that arise from that, no matter what color you are, you know, you look at the fatherlessness statistics you, you see that, you know, uh, children who come from a home that doesn't have a father, you know, are more likely to go to prison, are more likely to be um, uh, violent, are more likely to be drug users, are more likely to be homeless or, or alcohol abusers. So there's all these things that come with the breakdown of the family. So when you look and compare, you know, African-American culture to just basic African culture, I still think that Africans still really have their families intact and you see more of like um, a family type of value 
within the, the African uh, community versus the African-American community. So there is that breakdown of the family that um, I think really needs to be looked at as an issue that is causing a lot of the issues that we see within the Black community here. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and how, uh, so uh, when Lauren Cunningham shared about the seven mountains, he, mm-hmm. he shared about that uh, the Lord gave him the word family first. Uh, and I also heard, you know, Lance Walnow talk lately about how uh, talking about the family unit, like yes. the most important thing. So w- what are your thoughts about just uh, the, the seven different mountain now mm-hmm. that we are in 2021? Like how important is that for the church or, or what, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's extremely important. That message of the seven mountains really just gave me a total paradigm shift of what it means to be a Christian you know, just hearing that verse from Lance Wall now that go out into all the world and make disciples of nations, not just of individuals, but making disciples of nations. And then talking about what that looks like. How do you disciple a nation? And then he talks about how within the, um, the framework of the seven mountains, you have these different spheres of influence. You have the media, education, family, religion, business, um, have I missed one? <laughs> so arts basically you have all those yeah. mountains in arts and entertainment. Yes. So you have those mountains and um, as Christians, we're supposed to be influential in every one of those mountains. And we were, if you look at the history of America, you find that if you go back 70 to a hundred years ago, Christians and Christianity and the Christian ethos was very influential in every sphere of culture. And then you fast forward to 2021 and you find that the church is no longer influential in any of those spheres. And that's why we're seeing all the mayhem and the destruction that is taking place. And it's really because we as the church haven't been the light that we have been called to be. uh, And we have discipling America, um, doing the great commission of discipling America as a nation and being influential in all these spheres of culture. So, um, so that message I think is really powerful. And I think it's, a, um, it's something that is eye-opening for the church. And I think that is kind of the way the church is beginning to move. I'm seeing a remnant of people that are starting to become involved in politics, being involved in education, being involved in media and entertainment and business and all these spheres and really starting to take back territory from the enemy. And like you said, family is one of the most important ones because right now the, there's a massive attack on the family. Um, yeah. When you look at all the things that are happening in the world right now, whether, you know, not just the black family now, now it has shifted to every, fam- every family from every race, there is an attack on the family. When you look at things like transgenderism, you know, where children are being taught um, you know, there's hundreds of different genders and there's no male and female, you know, that's an attack on family because family is a mom and a dad and children. So if children are being taught to be confused about gender, that means that all those children that are being indoctrinated into that, they may never even get married because they don't basically, they don't even know that they're a man or a woman or, you know, whatever it is. So that's a big attack on the family that we're seeing And that's just one little piece of it. 
So um, family is the foundation of a great society. So we really have to um, be influential in that sphere as the church and really begin to start to preach about the importance of family and what family a godly family looks like. That's so good. That's mm-hmm. so good. Your story is so inspiring. And for those that are listening, just hearing, you know, just imagine just coming uh, to this country with nothing, you know, two, three hundred dollars in our pocket, working hard, making great choices uh, mm-hmm. and working diligently with integrity every day to build up our own thing, build up a family uh, and just being obedient to the Lord of just being called now to be a voice uh, so what is uh something we talk about you know the next generation or children mm-hmm. how they will grow up what is something that you could want to share with the next generation what mm-hmm. is like the heartbeat that like hey guys like please listen to this yeah uh, okay. what can you say to them well um i would say that one thing that I would say is find out what what the Lord has put you on this earth for. And the sooner you find that out, the better. You know, it took me many years to sit down and say, okay, well, why am I here? Why has the Lord put me on this earth? And what is his mission for me? Because the thing that God puts in your heart, the, the purpose and the plan that God has for you is usually not just for you and your family. It's usually for something that affects you know, um, a community affects a, a city, affects a whole country, or something bigger than just your own little world. So I think living a purpose-driven life, finding out what your purpose is from a very young age, finding out what God has put in His uh, in your heart to do as part of your mission on this earth at a young age, and then living it out, you know, finding out what it is, and then living it out and fulfilling your, your God-given purpose. And then you will always have purpose in your life and, and your life will never be boring. You know, your life will always be, have a purpose and a vision and a direction and God will just see you through it all. So that's, that's my message to young people. That's so good. That's so mm-hmm. good. And it's so important in the time we're living to mm-hmm. become that influencer like Tate have become in politics now. And, and what have the Lord put in your heart? Like, what is he speaking to you? And go out and, you know, use that message, use that voice uh, and produce something good for the society. It's not only mm-hmm. for her, for the family, as she say, but it's for other people that they can be inspired to live a more fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. That is yes. so good. Thank you. And for those that want to uh, learn more about Tate, I'm going to post the link to her book so that you can buy that on Amazon. And then you can also follow her on Twitter. Uh, She will be there a lot, uh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's uh, The Right Melissa is where where you can find me. The Right, right instead of left, The Right Melissa. (laughs) Yeah. So, I'll be putting all mm-hmm. everything in the in the description so you can easily connect with her 
Uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you for your obedience to the Lord and just wanting to be a light uh, here and share your message uh, and be bold because it's not always easy to go out and do exactly what we say. But thank you so much for doing that and we will keep you in our prayers. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. Thanks so much for having me on. <laughs>